Wow, we've got a great edition of Bench with Bubba for you guys tonight. But before we do so, I want to talk to you about the Quantage.com daily fantasy sports website. They also do a ton of sports betting, and the baseball package is kicking off in full force. Lots of great content, a great member Discord. The betting tool just dropped. There's a lot going on over there. And if you want to go try it out, you can join the, the Quant Edge, get the rest of the MLB season for $25 off, get the all-sports package for the first month for $19.99. That includes the NBA playoffs and much more. Or try a five-day trial for 5 bucks by using promo code Bubba. So go to thequantedge.com and check them out, promo code Bubba. If you like playing daily fantasy sports and you haven't tried draft.com, what are you waiting for? It is a great way to play daily fantasy sports. They started out with the snake-style drafts, just the way you like them. Small field, large fields, you name it, they've got it. And it's great because you don't have to worry about ownership. Snake-style drafts, simple as that, can get paid out the next day. They have auction-style drafts. They have best ball drafts, not to mention... They just uh, built a millionaire maker NFL best ball out there for $25 entries. But if you want to try draft, use promo code SD Sports, SD as in dog sports, and you get a free $3 entry into a cash game of your choice. Anytime, best ball, daily tournament, you name it, they've got it. They got baseball, basketball, football, uh, golf, and much, much more. So go check them out. Draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports. Lastly, if you can leave a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 173, and it's a great one with Aaron Sassetta of CBS Sportsline, Rotoballer, and more importantly, the creator of the Aces Metric. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode one seventy three. Have a special guest tonight. You can find his work over on CBS Sportsline, Roto Baller, and on Twitter at Roto Pope. Aaron Sasetta, how are we doing, my friend? Brian, doing well. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. You're at one seventy three now. That's pretty impressive. I've uh, we've had a Roto Pope podcast. I think I've done like thirteen. Man, it's a it's quite a lift to get that far. So I'm I'm impressed. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It started out very slow a couple years ago, but you know about a let's say a year, year and a half ago, it started finding its groove. So uh, it's a grind at times, but I love doing it because like I was telling you before we started recording, I just love talking baseball. So I can pretty much talk to it about it with anybody. And that's why I'm glad to have you on because um, one thing I'll, I'll preface before we get there, uh, Aaron is the creator of the Aces metric, which is a really, really cool way to basically, the way I generically say it, and I can be totally wrong and he'll break it down for us later, is basically it tells me how filthy a guy is. And that's uh, something I really, really enjoy, and it's a different way to analyze things. But there's probably way more to it, and that's just my layman terms way to explain it. But uh, before we get into the podcast, Aaron, why don't you everybody know what you have going on, where your work's at, and what they can check on you? Definitely. No, I, I think you probably explained it better than I could, frankly. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, no, I've so I've been writing for uh, CBS Sports is where a lot of my stuff drops. Um, sometimes 
it goes on Sportsline behind the paywall as well. And then um, I'm writing for Rotoballer. So so do uh, r- roughly four pieces total there a month. And then, uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at RotoPope, sort of a uh, an homage to those uh, New York listeners who are big Mike Francesa or fans, if you will, um, the, aka the Sports Pope. So yeah, feel free to find me in any of those three areas. Well, that's that's see that's new to me as growing up in the West Coast my entire life, and I've heard yeah. of Mike Francesco. Obviously, if you yeah. follow any sports, you don't you know who he is. <laughs> I had no idea that's what that reference. So that's yeah, yeah. So yeah, cool. my, for, uh, friends of mine, we we like to follow the account. Uh, it used to be it used to be at Funhouse, and now it's at Back After This, and he basically has just dedicated his life essentially to um, posting all of the different clips of basically dumb shit that Mike Francesa says all the time. And so we've enjoyed following along sort of as a parody account. And yeah, it was just sort of a play on that. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, kind of like an, uh, like I said, an, an homage to the, uh, to the sports Pope. So it's all, all in good fun though. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll go through the usual MLB news, which sadly involves many injured list people, but I was telling Aaron before the show, we have so much other awesome stuff to talk about. We'll try to keep this as quick and brief as possible. And we'll start it off with CC Sabathia, he hits the IL with right knee inflammation. As an older guy, it's probably not good because it's it's kind of a thing that's bothered him in the past. CC is that guy that doesn't really you know light the world on fire, but he continues to pump out quality starts over and over again. If you're a CC Sabathia owner, are you just dropping him, or do you hold on hoping this is a minimal thing? Ah oh, man, I mean, I guess it depends on how deep your league is, but I'm 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 okay to drop him. I I, I don't think I was holding on to a ton there. I mean, like you said, he, he gives you some quality, but. I'm I'm okay to drop him. Obviously, if you're in a really deep league and there's nothing out there, yeah, ideally you need the uh, IL him or something like that. But uh, for me, I, I think I'm okay with dropping. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. He's he's a streamer. He's a streamer. That's pretty much all he's going to be uh, yeah. until he calls it good and goes and works at ESPN full time. So that's yeah, how exactly. that's going to go. Um, the New York Mets meet the Mets. They are just riddled with fun. If it's not controversies in the clubhouse, how long their manager is going to be there for? They have a slew of injuries that have come down in recent days. We'll start it off with Robinson Cano. Uh, he has left with, I believe it was a hamstring or a quad injury for Cano. Uh, it looked kind of pretty rough when it happened. He's going to be out for at least 10 days. He's been off to a rough start this year. All the advanced metrics point to good things. But what are your thoughts on Robinson Cano? Because obviously, well, not obviously, but you would imagine you're going to try to put him on the IL or hold on to him just for the pedigree. But if you're going to drop him, let me know. But what is your just thoughts on what he's doing so far that you're not doing? Yeah, no, I, I think I'm, I'm with you there. Where It just seems like everything that he's doing kind of points to he should be better. But even when you look at something like his expected WOBA, it's still just about 327. So I think league average is roughly 330, 333, depending on what kind of uh, plate appearance minimum you set. So, you know, you, you would expect his performance to roughly be three like i guess league average in that sense and um i think rest of season projections have him as roughly a top 200 player so yeah i don't i don't think we're holding on to a ton here i guess it's kind of similar as the cc story is ideally you're you know he's he's uh i think he's certainly more valuable than cc but i i don't have an issue with like 10 to 12 teams kind of depending on where um you know how long this injury is going to be i don't have a problem moving on i think i think i've heard you know maybe you can expect a good batting average and kind of like 18 homer type you know full season from him which just feels pretty replaceable to me it's nice but it's uh you know not a must hold by any means yeah no and you, and you summed that up really really well there is because in the era of baseball the juice ball era of baseball we're seeing more and more guys pump out 15 20 homers uh pretty pretty regularly and if, if Cano's going to be out for a while and he's not really producing as expected you can go like cancer alberto is on a hot streak with the the orioles <laughs> he's not flashy by any means but he can put up middle infield numbers for you 
Um, that's just to name one. You know, we'll talk about Gavin Biggio here shortly. That might be a guy with all these yeah. new prospects coming up. You have you have to start making those decisions. Do you start cutting bait with these guys? Um, I'm saving it for a, a later podcast when I I have someone that wants to you know probably cry and spend 20 minutes on it. But Joey Votto is that question mark uh, right now? What do you do yeah. with a guy like Joey Votto? It is yeah crazy. Like what, what's going on yeah. there? But uh, yeah, Cano could be droppable. I'm with you there. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like you said, 10 to 12 teams, probably not 15, but 10 to 12, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jeff McNeil, who is not a big power guy, but a heck of a batting average guy, can score some runs. He's out with a hamstring injury. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, McNeil while he's out? That one's a little bit tougher because he was actually playing fairly well. And, um, you know, his, his expected Woba is roughly 360. So, again, it's a pretty good player. Rest of the season projections have him roughly a top 170 player. So, you know, if that's the kind of guy that's worth holding in, in your league, deeper leagues, 12, it's kind of tough. Um, you know, but certainly beyond that, I, I feel like it, it could be worth a hold. I think the only thing that I don't really have great insight into is how long the uh, the timelines are on these mm-hmm. you know is it just kind of mets being mets and sort of small things or is it gonna be an extended time i yeah i'm not i'm not really sure as of now yeah and that's the hardest part especially with these kind of muscle soft tissue type injuries is you know you'd rather have someone say okay they broke something because now we have a timetable we yeah, can figure yeah it out. exactly like you know it, they could come back in 10 days and pull it so quickly they're back out it's just one of those kind of freaky things that are so tough to deal with or do they come back early and it's just lingering and they try to play through it like there's so many kind of bugaboos with that but yeah mcneil like if we had to pick the two i'd probably rather hold mcneil than cano and that sounds so weird to say right it now. does well do mcneil at, at uh on base above 400 right now it's pretty crazy so yeah he, he was pretty interesting especially in those obp leagues where um just a really nice profile like, i think it's almost kind of perfect for for this era in that he's not a big power guy but he puts the ball in play quite a bit you know he doesn't strike out yeah. a ton league average and walks so it, it's kind of a nice little profile to have uh especially in obp league so i would love to be able to hold especially when you're talking about a you know, above uh, 400 on base, but we'll have to see what the uh, the injury details are. Yeah, and personally, uh, I'm hoping more t- leagues turn to OBP. I think it's a much more fun way to play. It, it kind of deepens the player pool and kind of brings the attention or to me, maybe the value of a player like a Jeff McNeil to the forefront where, you know, in a standard league, it's like, okay, it's, it's good. It's really good, but is it really yep. flashy? Type right. No, and absolutely. Like, like you look at Jeff McNeil's stat line and what he brings to the table everyone drooled over a guy like Nicky Lopez last week. To me, that's yeah. like spitting images of each other. And McNeil does not yeah. get that love. So it's no. pretty interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the last Met we'll talk about here, and this one's kind of disappointing because coming into the season, I was really big on Brandon Nemo. I know a lot of people were, and he has just been really bad this year. Maybe this injury will help him kind of clear his mind. Who knows? But uh, what are you doing with a guy like Brandon Nemo? Because I've seen him get cut everywhere. I, I think I'd be fine with doing the same. I think the only time you might have a pause as a deeper OBP league, but otherwise it seems like the power has been gone since really the second half of last year. So, um, you know, the strikeouts are up to 30% this year. The walk rate's still super nice, but ah, I'm, I'm totally fine cutting right now. And Hey, if I, if I end up losing on that, then, then so be it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's go to the Yankees. We'll stay in New York. We'll go to the Yankees. And this one's disappointing. And I'm not a Yankees fan. Trust me. Like I've stated it many times on this show, if the Yankees lose, I'd be happy. But the problem is they're winning with all these guys getting injured. And that's the really frustrating part because they're going to get better someday. And it starts with Giancarlo Stanton. He was supposed to start a rehab assignment, and he got yanked before his first game because now he has a wonderful left calf tightness injury back on the IL. He's going to be reevaluated in about 10 days, so he's just going to sit down again and do nothing. So it's going to be a while for him. You know, he had the the shoulder thing and then a a bicep. bicep, It's just been one thing after another with him. 
you're not dropping Giancarlo Stanton, but really what level of concern do you start to have with him? Yeah. I just don't know what you can do though. You're, you're right. You can't drop him. Um, and, and how are you really going to trade him in, with all of this kind of going on? And not, not to mention Giancarlo for whatever reason kind of has this sort of, I don't know if it's stigma or a label around him that he's injury prone. When if you look at his past injuries, he kind of wasn't though, you know, he got hit in the he face, got hit in the face with and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I just feel like this is probably perpetuating that, um, perception. And I just don't think you can do anything about it. I think you have to hold, unfortunately just sit back and hold it it's really annoying though because yeah you like you said it was like a shoulder thing and all of a sudden it was a bicep and then you know you don't even hear anything and all of a sudden there's a calf too so it's it's been a really frustrating experience uh i don't have any stanton shares even though i was kind of a big fan of him going into draft season uh where he was going but so it's hard for me to say but i, I just don't know as a stanton owner what you can do i think you just have to sit back and hold unfortunately yeah that's pretty much all you can do and it's crazy because aaron judge is rehabbing right now he's taking swings he looks like he's pretty close but you have Stanton, who seemed to do multiple injuries as he was rehabbing. Saw the same thing with Severino. They kept hurting different things, like they're fingering yeah. issues. I'm not saying the Yankees don't know what they're doing, but you got to be concerned when you have like your top players yeah. getting hurt like this. It's kind of it's weird. I'm not a it doctor. Is a bit odd. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Keon Broxton. This one's not a major one. It's just you know he had that prospect pedigree. It didn't work in Milwaukee. He went to the Mets. We thought he'd have a chance there. It didn't work. Now he's going to Baltimore, and I'm not saying it's going to work, but I'm also saying there's really no reason why he shouldn't get a chance to make it work in Baltimore. Is there any interest in a guy like Brock or more like a wait and see? Well, I mean, man, dude, the dude's striking out over 40% of the time, so it's hard to say. I, I think for me, so I play in a couple of pretty deep ale-only leagues, and in, in those kind of cases, yeah, you just got to go grab him. You know, he, it, it was a pretty disgusting season, but it was a, nevertheless a 2020 season. He did have, you know, at one point, um, you know, if it came with 38% strikeout rate. So I think there's enough here to go see. It's obviously an amazing park, especially as things heat up. I think, you know, they've actually got a, sort of a low-key crowded, crowded outfield because they've got, I think they've got, well, they've got Dwight Smith, they've got Cedric Mullins, they've got Austin Hayes uh, in the minors. They've also got um, Diaz and DJ Stewart and Mountcastle at the DH. So they've actually have some interesting guys in the minors sort of percolating that I think we'll see this summer. So, you know, Broxton maybe has a, a pretty temporary chance here. So in the deeper AL only is like that, that I, I, you know, I play in one of them. I'm, I'm grabbing them just to see what happens to see if there's anything there mainly because of the park and potential opportunity. And especially because um, probably like a, a lot of other teams out there, I need, I need speed pretty badly. So I'm willing yeah. to give them a shot there, but otherwise I think you can, I think you can just kind of keep an eye on them for now. All right. Let's go to a pretty, pretty rough run. Hamilton Simmons, you know, not a world beater uh, baseball wise, fantasy wise, good average player, somehow hitting cleanup for the angels, but uh, <laughs> it, it was working for him for the most part, but he has a grade three ankle sprain, which basically means he tore his ligament in his ankle. That is not good. This is like literally people are saying it could be surgery and out for the season. That's still not official yet, but I've heard different reports that could be like the worst case scenario. So he's out for a while. Like he's borderline droppable, you say? Uh, I think so. Unfortunately, um, sad to be as an angel fan. I've got some Simmons shares too. And he's, he's just, he's such a, a star between the defense and um, you know, and just, being the contact guy that he is, he's had a little bit more pop in, in recent years too. So it's so frustrating, but yeah, I think I've heard timelines around 10 to 12 weeks, like you said, uh, a full tear. So if we're talking 20, 10 to 12 weeks, we're talking two and a half to three months, you know, we're already pretty much in June. So I don't know. I, th- there's just so many interesting things going on out there on the wire and things like that, like that will kind of get to you later. You know, if you got IL slots, obviously put up there, but otherwise I, I think it's, Sadly, we're we're looking at a pretty long term injury here for for the season. 
And as an Angels fan, uh, as you told me before the show, and we'll talk more Angels here in a minute, but just to correlate, this was Anderson Simmons. Lewis Rangifo was yep. a you know a pretty good prospect in the system. Um, and he got a shot earlier. He was okay, not great, but not bad. Got sent back down. Now he's obviously back up, and there's really it should be his job unless something crazy happens. What kind of expectations should a fantasy owner have? You know, could maybe going into Fab this weekend, and we'll talk about some of the other big prospects coming up. But Rangifo might be out there for guys to pick up. Yeah, no, I think I think he's definitely an everyday guy at this point. They're going to give him an extended shot. Um, I think. I think we heard it from um, the the athletic speed writer for the Angels, Fabian Ardaya, that he was he had heard pretty good things about Rangifo, how he'd been playing, how the organization feels about him. Kind of thought of him as a little bit of a sleeper in that sense. I think going back to sort of that Keon Broxton discussion, this is a guy who can provide speed, pretty meaningful speed, sort of like you know twenty twenty five, maybe thirty bags um, over a full season. So I think. Yeah, I think he's a pretty interesting player. He's got a little bit of pop. I don't know, maybe maybe slightly double digits. He might, he actually might be from an offensive perspective, somewhat like Simmons in terms of the power speed combo. With I actually, you know, probably a lot more speed. I should say, um, without quite the same level of contact ability. Um, so I guess actually quite quite a different player. But um, you know, interesting in that sense. That, you know, we love those power speed guys. So he's definitely worth a worth a close look. And you kind of mentioned it, maybe a little bit of a sneaky fab guy this weekend because everyone's going to be going ham over sort of the bigger names and then you know maybe just make sure you got all your backup bids in too where someone like Rangifo could kind of get snuck through at a, at a lower price yeah I'm definitely gonna have some bids in on him because I know I traded for him in a, in a dynasty league I took over this this offseason I was pretty pumped on that when he got the early call this year yeah and I'm looking forward to seeing what he has the rest of the way uh, let's go to the Colorado Rockies uh you, you don't want to be a pitcher in Colorado but if you're a closer you have fantasy value and Wade Davis has hit the 10-day IL and we'll see how long it takes. It's an oblique injury, which is never good. They say it's not severe, but those can yeah. be just those can be worse than a hamstring injury, especially for a pitcher. There's a lot of arms in that bullpen. Scott Oberg, Carlos Estevez have been the two popular names I heard. Yeah. If you're looking to pick up the next guy, because it's always a popular deal come Sunday nights, where are you looking in Colorado? Yeah, you know, I, I so I, I tend to play in leagues that I either play in saves and holds leagues that are actually doing regular ads. So I haven't been following this as closely. And then in the other leagues that I play on that do just saves, it's more of like monthly ads. So I've been hearing Oberg is the guy. Um, you know, I, I really don't have a great sense for it. I will say that kind of based on some of the the research that I've been digging into previously on oblique injuries, you know, they're, they're, they vary quite widely. But it seems like typically speaking, you can expect them to be out for roughly a month. So we've got maybe a month to see what uh, what Oberg or some of these other guys can do. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to check that out for sure because it's a Colorado pitcher, so it's always dangerous, but saves are saves, and that'll make things interesting. Yeah, definitely. One of the big pickups this past weekend in Fab again, I'm going to call it part one now because we got some yeah. work coming up this weekend. Uh, Willie Calhoun. I'm a big fan of Willie Calhoun. I know his work ethic might not be there, but I'm not a, a psychologist or psychiatrist. <laughs> so that's not my job. But the guy can hit. We know that for a fact. And he's came up and he was raking right out the gate. Well, you know, he's not a physical specimen by any means. And he already strained his quadricep. So he's on the IL. Lionel Shields Jr. gets the call back up. You're not dropping Willie Calhoun. You're putting him on the IL. You spent money on him, obviously. But there is concern there. I'm I'm, I'm more, I guess, curious. Do you have any desire for like a Delano the Shields Jr.? Ah, oh, man, I feel like we we're, we're always here about Delano the yes. Shields. Every year. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's way, he's way lower on my list relative to all these other guys. I would say um, you have to keep an eye on him just because again, this, the speed, but 
you know, I, I'm more interested in, in Renjifo or, um, I don't I feel like he's kind of similar to like, almost like the Broxton case, maybe a little yeah. bit more interesting, but kind of down there. Yeah. I'm with you. It's tough. It's like, you know, that name's going to come up. Someone's going to get him for like a buck this weekend and, and plug him in next week and see what happens. But it's just, yeah, yeah it's a tough one. Let's go to Seattle. D Gordon. This one, this is Seattle to a T right here. He was hurt like at the beginning of May and he played through it. And now he's yeah, on the IL with his right, right wrist confusion shocker. And then yeah. Ryan, Ryan Healy goes to the IL as well with lower back inflammation. So they're both out for a, while, a little bit. Uh, backs are never good. Uh, Gordon was pretty banged up. So uh, Shed Long gets the call back up. He's actually hit pretty decent so far. And Dylan Moore is going to get some playing time. Uh, but it also opens up more regular time for Vogelbach and company. But uh, I guess the question I have for you, like Shed Long, what are your thoughts on a guy like Shed? Um, the first go-round wasn't strong, went back down, came up. He's hit a little bit so far in this next go-round. Yeah, kind of kind of a deeper league guy for sure. Um, some some somewhat on my radar on sort of the AL only. Seems like he's um, got a little bit of power and speed, but you know I, I don't know. It, definitely a little bit lower on my list. Plus, I just don't really know how long they're planning to keep him up either. I, I guess it depends on how long these injuries are, but uh, definitely not quite as interesting as, as some of these other names, at least to me. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Chris Davis of the Oakland Athletics. He's been banged up for a while as well. Similar to D. Gordon. And the A's just won't put him on the I.L. They yank him from games early. There was a rumor he was going to get put on the I.L. Then the next day, the A's go Lee Corso on us and say, not so fast, my friend. And it's just <laughs> one thing after another. I've actually benched him in weekly leagues lately because it's just – I lo- and that hurts to bench Chris Davis. He's put the high draft pick on, but it's been rough, been really rough. You're not dropping Chris Davis. But what I do want to know is Mark Connor has been getting the regular playing time at DH right now. And he used to be just known to be a lefty mash or a left-handed pitcher masher, but he's actually hitting both right now. Is Mark Connor a guy that's on your radar, at least to, you know, for the short term? Maybe. I feel like every year we kind of <laughs> go through this where he, he kind of flashes a little bit, um, you know, I, I much lower on the list in terms of when we're putting fad bids in this weekend. So you know, he, he, he kind of does this a little bit every year. Um, a little, he's got, he's got kind of this nice walk thing going, um, up a little bit this year. So maybe more so in, in OBP, it'd be a little bit nicer, but no, I'm not, I'm not too interested in, in Kane. I feel like we kind of see this pretty regularly and it goes back to being a, a normal dude after his hot streak. No doubt about it. All right. Let's have some fun now. This, uh, usually, Usually I don't get to talk about a full day's action on a podcast because it's usually still going on. But, uh, wow, a lot took place today, Aaron. And we'll start with Lucas Gilito. This guy was amazing. Going into Houston against that offense, there was a complete game shutout, struck out nine. He's In his last four starts, he's 4-0 with a .64 ERA. And tonight's shutout was the first White Sox shutout since April 15th of 2016 by Chris Hill. Gilito has been absolutely amazing. Just what are your thoughts on what he's doing? Because to me now, he's been very usable of late, but you always kind of wondered. Tonight, to me, feels like, yeah, you just have to run him out there now. It kind of feels like it, right? Um, So one thing that's even before tonight, he was already 77th percentile by whiff percentage and 81st percentile by called strikes plus whiffs, so CSW that we've seen floating around. So he was was playing pretty damn well before that. And, dude, that that changeup he's got is – it's looking pretty damn good. I think I think that's potentially been one of the things that's helped unlock him this year a little bit is emphasizing that change more. It's played really well. He's got he's got good command of it, whereas some of his other pitches he's sort of still kind of his issue. And I think I think that's gonna be the thing to watch out for is his four seam looks good. 
sliders looking pretty good change looking good but when's that one of those command issues going to pop up again and you know that that could kind of scare me off a little bit but no i mean this this looks really great and uh i mean the performance is there and to your point i think tonight might be might have been that you know full coming out party yeah it was pretty darn amazing and if Ronaldo lopez would like to follow in these footsteps i'd be a huge fan of this um and and those, <laughs> those nationals fans remember you have adam eaton so it's all good yeah. no worries there at all um the anaheim angels they gave up eight home runs to the Minnesota Twins today. Eight. Sure did. That gives the Twins 98 home runs on the season. That could be a whole other podcast in itself there. But I want to talk Angels with you right now. Uh, Matt Harvey got shellacked. Cahill's been <laughs> rocky. Felix yep. Payne has been really good since they started using the opener. You got Skaggs. You got Griffin Canyon throwing well. Andrew Heaney's coming back. If you're going to look for starters or pitchers in this Angels rotation for fantasy, what are the names you're targeting here? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the Harvey thing has been super frustrating. It's been a couple of off seasons where we've sort of, you know, swung and missed at, at trying to help with our starting pitching. I was somewhat somewhat excited about Cahill coming in. I was very cautiously optimistic about Harvey, and I think both have disappointed to lengths that even, you know, the most pessimist of fans probably couldn't have imagined. But I think in terms of where you want to find value here, um, I mean, Heaney's coming back this weekend. He looked really good in his rehab start. He was very good last year. He kind of tailed off at the end, but he had a really strong season last year. And remember, he was actually a former prospect of note, too, um, for the Marlins. And so he's definitely someone to go pick up if he's still out there. Uh, he really shouldn't be at this point. And then I think, you know, Felix Pena has shown to be a little bit frisky. We don't really use him as a true starting pitcher. He's more of the, he follows the opener. So like the primary pitcher, as Rotowire calls it, or, or whatever you want to refer to it as. But he would be another guy that that's pretty interesting. I think I was looking him up. He's got. He's um, in the top 40% by both whiffs and, and CSW. Um, he's got a pretty good looking slider and change in terms of whiffs and his sinker is good at, at getting called strikes. So he's another interesting guy to take a look at as well. Yeah, I'm a fan of Payne. I picked him up a couple of weeks ago at TGFBI. So once they started putting him in that opener, I noticed something switched with him. It was, it was yeah. a, a big deal. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know, some people love the opener because they're, they're, they love it. Some hate it because they're traditionalists. There's a, I think there's a spot for it just in this world of baseball where the talent pool, for some reason, just doesn't work on some teams. We've seen it work great for the Rays. Yeah, um, It works with Pena and a couple other teams that have really figured out how to use it well. So, yeah. um, you know, where it doesn't work, where it gives the naysayers positive thoughts or like their, their pulpit to stand on is when it's some team just doesn't use it appropriately. It's like, oh, well. We don't want. We want to give a guy an extra day of rest. So we're gonna use the opener today. Yeah, that's right. not what it's really for. Like, this, yeah. you gotta have a system here. No, so. definitely. And I and I think in at least in the wins leagues that we play in, it actually makes some of these guys more interesting. I know, like yes. for for example, Yanni Chernos, I was more interested in the fact that he was following the opener because you know he gets the benefits of the opener. But not only that, it just it's a greater spot for for win potential as well. Mm-hmm. So that that yeah, it's actually been kind of a nice thing for for fantasy, at least in wins league. I play in some quality starts leagues where they're a lot less attractive because of that. But in wins leagues, definitely a good thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, talking about the offense real quick, what's going on with Tommy Lascello? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where <laughs> this is coming from. I think. I think he has more home runs this season than he had like the last four years combined. At this point, he had a grand slam today uh, in the ninth. Um, he's he's been crazy. I, I really I, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm definitely enjoying it. Yeah, it's like I, I want to buy into it. I want to be positive because like everything you look at all the stats, they all kind of line out. Like this is legit. Like he's doing, yeah. he's doing his thing. 
And then, you know, being a baseball fan my whole life, I just think back, okay, we saw Brady Anderson do this one year. Yeah. Like, is this, like, LaSalle is 30 years old. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. It doesn't happen. It's just weird, but ride the ride yeah. while you can, I guess. Seriously, and if it makes you feel any better, if you look at his expected WOBA, which isn't everything, by the way, there's been a lot of work done in expected WOBA, uh, talking about how, particularly on a year-to-year basis, it's not, it's really not quote expected as it's sort of framed to be. It, it really isn't any more predictive than some of the other metrics we have, but there's been some research done on in-season work. And I think it was Alex Chamberlain of Fangraphs, And I think he's at CBS as well. That was showing that X Woba. It seemed like it had some predictive qualities in season more so than just Woba in terms of uh, pre- predicting rest season performance. And so when you look at Listella, his expected Woba, it is lower than his actual Woba, but it's 377. So, I mean, it at least suggests to us that this isn't just a complete mirage, you know, yeah. it's, it, it, it could fall apart at any moment, but at least what we've seen so far, there's some underlying skill or, you know, something that he's doing, you know, has been sort of legitimate to, to drive this production. So it's, it's a really interesting story and maybe, maybe one of the most interesting stories we've seen so far. Like, you know, no one, no one would have guessed this. I bet you, you know, in those, what like those online NFBC draft and holds that are like, you know, 750 players, 50 rounds, 15 teams. I, I doubt he was even touched in those potentially. So I don't know. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I doubt he was drafted. I can't wait to uh, – I'm waiting till they started, I think, last night, the second chance in FBC drafts, and they go through the weekend. Yeah. I can't wait to look at uh, uh, the ADP come, like, Sunday night or Monday when oh, it's yeah. all finalized because, you know, Tom is still – let's just have fun with it right now. Oh, what man. round and, – and they're 12 team leagues in these, these ones. They're not 15. They're yeah. 12 team leagues. What round do you think Tom Estella goes in? So I think he's I think he's got an everyday job rest rest of season. There's no question. I'm looking at his rest of season projection here. He's roughly at you know rest of season projections are actually sort of buying into this a little bit. They think he's a top 300 player the rest of the way. So you know not totally, but uh, man, I, I think wow, dude, I can't see anyone taking him like much higher than like top 200. Which what, what would that? I guess if it's a 12 teamer, um, closer to like you know the 18th round or so. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I, I uh, just from some of the early things I've seen from guys drafting, and I, I can't think of them off the top of my head. I saw like Jeff Erickson and some of those guys tweeting stuff out earlier today, but I'm thinking around like round 15 or so. Okay, like, okay, that's I not think, too far from what I'm thinking. No, you're you're worried about the same ballpark, kind of the same, you know, 150 to 200 ranking somewhere in that that realm. It's just that's what I, that's what I really like about this because who's buying the hype, who's not buying that? Because yeah. you know, you've probably seen it too on Twitter from all the analysts. Some guys saying, "Don't buy this guy. Don't overdraft him." And then other guys, yeah, oh, you draft this guy. It's just, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty fun stuff. It's a tough um, balance. The last guy I want to ask you about here because I've been really enjoying watch. Actually, I have two guys actually. This guy I've been enjoying watching him. He's very versatile all over the diamond, and I I think there's more to him. He's 25 years old, David Fletcher. Like, there's so much there, and I don't think it's bursted out yet. What are you seeing with him? Well, I think uh, I think one of the things about him, and I, I may have mentioned it a couple times already, but just based on the environment we're in right now with this juice ball, he he's a really nice little player to have here because he doesn't really strike out. He, he I think he has he might have the lowest strikeout rate in the league. He's at a five percent strikeout rate. I think he has the highest contact rate. So total, you know, contact hitter puts the ball in play, and I think that sort of helps his game play up a little more. You know, he's not he's got a he's got like a one twenty ISO, so he's not a giant power guy, but it, it just it's passable power with a good batting average. Um, so he's, he's a, he's a nice little player. Um, you know, nothing, nothing amazing by any means, but definitely a, a solid, solid player. Like for fun here, would you, if you had to have one of these two guys, if you had to have them for the rest of the year on a fantasy team, would you rather have David Fletcher or Lewis Rengifo? Oh man. I kind of want to dream on the upside with Rengifo and, and yeah. just go with that because of the speed. 
Yeah, but that's kind of what I'm uh, I think I think Fletcher's got a got a higher floor, and um, you know, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's got got the higher floor. The last guy I want to ask you about, just because of the uniqueness that he brings to the table, what are the Angels going to do with Jared Walsh? Yeah, this this is kind of an interesting one. I think he actually pitched the ninth today. I think he gave up a. I don't know if he gave up a home run or if he does gave that immediate. count as does that count as position player pitching? See, I don't think so because <laughs> it, it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting player. He's obviously not the same kind of player as Otani, who's like a true you know two way player, but he's kind of like I guess like a Michael Lorenzen type, where you know kind of yeah, is a little true. bit of both. Um, so I, I think he's I think his plan is more so as a you know, as a hitter and, and mix in here and there, kind of like he did today, sort of low leverage as a pitcher. Um, but yeah, really interesting player. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, we'll have to talk some more about that stuff some some other time. It's really interesting there. But I, what I we've talked about this podcast for a couple months now. I I came out to you and I said, let me know when your first update is for Aces and we're going to record. Like we're going to talk about this because I was really excited about what uh, you did preseason. And I want to see what things changed for you based on what's going on. But let's go back to square one when it comes to the ACEs metric. And by saying that right, is it called the metric or what do you, what yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're totally hitting it. Okay. Metric. Yeah. ACEs metric. Yep. Okay. What is the ACEs metric? Well, I think I'm going to start stealing it from you. What you said earlier, it's basically just how filthy a, a guy's stuff is. And, you know, if you want to get a little bit more technical, just a little bit of context on it. So I've, I've been following, uh, you know, Eno Saris's work for a while really closely. A lot of his pitching work I found to be really fascinating. And he actually introduced what he called Arsenal scores, um, you know, maybe five years ago or so. It took each pitch of a pitcher's arsenal and it took the, you know, the the amount of whiffs that they generated with that pitch and the amount of grounders that gen- they generated with that pitch. You know, thinking those those two outcomes are good things, right? You want whiffs, you generally want grounders. And then um, sort of took out how good they were at generating those kinds of things uh, relative to their peers for that pitch, weighted, you know, kind of added that up for each of their pitches, basically weighted that by how frequently they threw it. And then voila, you know, you had that arsenal score. So kind of thought about doing a similar thing for aces because over those over the years since, you know, I, I, you always hear about, oh, this guy's got a really good curve. You know, he's got really great drop on his curve or he's got great rod in his fastball or he's got great command of this or great command of that. And I thought like, there's gotta be a way we can think of this more cohesively as a whole picture. And so um, I think, especially once I saw the command plus go live, which was sort of, it seemed like the first really great shot, at least, you know, semi public, semi publicly of um, a good command metric on a per pitch basis. And so reached out to, you know, about that, thought it'd be great to combine all of these, all these pieces of research, the, you know, the velocity, the movement, the command uh, of, of a pitcher's arsenal, bring that together into a metric. And so that's basically what ACEs is. It takes the raw stuff of a pitcher and tries to essentially, you know, weight those based on which one's more important. And yeah, that's, it kind of gives you like how good a pitcher's stuff is based on that. Yeah. Like I remember one of the big things, you know, there's many names mentioned in the preseason, but like, one reason why a lot of people, analysts, whatnot, even Eno Saris, I talked to him about it. And he's in a bar league with me in the Bay Area, Roto Fantasy League, and I was talking to him at the draft about Josh James, for instance. And he rated extremely high when the season started in the Aces metrics, and people related it to you know his, his movement on his fastball and his off-speed pitches and whatnot. 
when you're looking at a pitcher, like, do you have any specific rankings on a certain or on a certain pitch, or what factors kind of maybe weigh heavier than others, or is it kind of really spread out pretty evenly? Yeah, no. So I think I think the things that are driving it the most. So there's there's really three components, and it, it's velocity, movement, and command. So velocity, we've we've seen a lot a lot in the research, and and even in like in Brad Osmus said that it's the number one predictor of success for pitchers, and so that's going to be weighted the most heavily. So I think naturally in a in a velocity kind of driven analysis like aces you will see like the josh james is up top or the the, the cinder guards the coals the guys that kind of blow you away with the velo but there's also there's also movement in there too so so drop tends to be better for most pitches with exception of the four seam where it rises better and then there's there's horizontal movement baked in as well and then command so it's basically command and movement are, are roughly equal and then velocities um you know two times more important based on these weightings so that's roughly how we do it and then um, the other thing that's factored in there is how often they throw that pitch. So if you if you've got a really great pitch, but you don't throw it very often, well, it's not gonna it's not gonna have as strong of a weight in your aces metric just because you don't throw it very often. So um, those, are, I guess, the the best ways to kind of have a good score by aces is you know have good velo, have good movement, have good command, and then throw your best pitches the most, basically. Um, I, this might be an off the wall thought, but when you just mentioned that about the velo and all that kind of stuff, and Command will definitely factor into this kind of a pitcher, but have you have you ever thought about it? And you're probably way too busy with a million other things, but I just thought it'd be kind of interesting to think about now. Have you ever thought about looking back on like old school pitchers, like a Greg Maddox, who wasn't an overpowering pitcher, but his command was so great and kind of seeing what his aces numbers would look like or different pitchers like that, just out of curiosity, how they compare to kind of this new era of pitcher that just throws a lot of gas with other like secondary pitches that move off the table? Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I, I would love to do that. The only thing is, I, like I was mentioning as part of like the the inception of, behind Aces was we have this command plus data only sure. back to 2017. Sure. So that was really that was really how we kind of got at least. I mean, it, it's a first. It's a really strong first shot at trying to capture, um, you know, and quantify command because it's super hard. It like basically command is trying to know what the intent behind a pitch was, and so it's really hard to grade that. Um, so. It, yeah, we don't really have the data going back, but that'd, that'd be awesome to see how those guys uh, graded in something like Aces. Yeah, it's just out of curiosity. Like, it'd be kind of interesting to see how, how that would work. But yeah, like most fun things we have, the data wasn't there back then. It's just <laughs> like what, what changes it all. Like, imagine StatCast data, like exit velocity and stuff, and Barry Bonds was around or something. Yep. But uh, you just can't have that. When you, when you put this metric together, and as you keep developing it, what kind of things are you looking to accomplish with this? Like, are you trying to um use it in a specific realm or is it just kind of another tool to use when analyzing pitching i think it's definitely more it's more of the latter it's certainly another tool to analyze with pitching i think aces goes really nicely with trying to look at some of the past outcomes that tend to predict future performance better so things like you know k minus walk rate for example or you know some of the er estimators like era estimators like sierra fip xfip and those kinds of things so i think it kind of fits nicely in that sort of portfolio if you will or or um you know tools to to predict future performance so i think that's one way but i I would love to continue doing further research on each of these pitches to see i think one of the biggest questions that i have and still trying to figure this out is just how important are each of these elements so you know i like i would i kind of touched on a little bit earlier in terms of the weightings but it's not it's a sort of a it's very non-trivial question to figure out how important is velocity really and how important is movement really and how important is command and you know how do you weight those so i think that's definitely one thing to that i would would love to accomplish is going deeper into each pitch type and figuring out how important each of those elements are and then also just seeing are there anything is there anything else out there that really can help us 
predict uh, future performance really well. And I think one thing that Aces does really well is um, it's, it's incredibly sticky year to year. And if you kind of think about it, it makes sense because the the inputs that are going into it are, are sort of inherent to what a pitcher does, right? It's how fast they throw, how much movement they're able to get on their on their pitches and, and how well they're able to command it. And so, you know, you can certainly go do off-season work to add some velo in, in, in today's day and age, you know, go work with driveline to go add more movement and sort of pitch design to, to what you do. But for the most part, you know, it kind of is what you are, at least relative to some of the other outcomes-based stats. So it's really sticky. So I think that's something that I want to keep going with it is making it, you know, very talent-based, very sticky year to year. And so just trying to figure out how can we keep that stickiness that it has, but also improve the predictiveness of it as well going forward. And what else can we add to this to, to make it more predictive going forward? No, that, that's perfect. That kind of answered where I was going with that, the stickiness, because we were talking before the show, there's so many new metrics and I've had a lot of guys on talking about their metrics and there's so many more to keep being developed. It's almost every week. There's one or two new ones that are, are yeah. coming out and it's just like, you know, they're, they're good in their own right, but really how effective are they right away? How sticky are they? Where can you utilize them type thing? And the fact you said how sticky this is, is a good thing. And it makes sense. Like you said, you know, velocity is velocity, you know, moving on a pitch is a moving on a pitch. These things, they correlate. And, um, and that's really good. You mentioned, you know, Sierras and these other ERA estimators, and we've talked CSW already on the show and other things. How can you use, say, the ACES metrics and use those other tools to kind of, you know, maybe get predictive on a pitcher? And we'll get into some, you know, updates you've had in your rankings, but how could you use this tool with some of the others maybe to kind of find a diamond in the rough or something like that? Definitely. No. And I think, I think that's exactly, that's, that's one of my favorite use cases for aces is, you know, I think if you go look at the leaderboard for aces, you'll see names, like I mentioned earlier, like Cindergaard, Garrett Cole, Verlander, uh, DeGrom, you know, Scherzer, all those kinds of names. And I guess, you know, if you see that, you can be like, okay, well, I don't, what, what the hell does this do me? Basically, I kind of know these guys are pretty good already, but what you also see around them is you'll see some other names that are pretty interesting. I think, if you had been following along before the season, some of the names that that might have led you to that we wrote up and um, were names like Caleb Smith, Domingo Herman, Zach Eflin, Jordan Lyles, like those are the kinds of names that popped by aces and just kind of make you think like, oh, you know, I didn't really think this highly of this guy, but it's kind of interesting to know that they've got pretty elite stuff. So it's it's worth looking into. And then at that point, um, you know, it's kind of fun to look at like how how did their Sierra look last year, for example, or how how good were they at generating strikeouts and things like that. And um, I think if you had followed Eno's work as well, I think he had wrote up guys like Luke Weaver and Yanni Chernos as well from looking at aces. So it can help you kind of identify some guys. And I wouldn't, you know, none of these guys are just total sleepers. I don't even think that exists anymore, but they were going, I think every single one of these guys was going after pick 300 in NFBC yeah. draft. So they were certainly be to be had late and they've been, you know, pretty impact guys so far on the whole so i think it can help you identify those kinds of guys and of course i think it's i think it's the starting point though i think you see that and you kind of dig in deeper and, and look to see if there's anything else there that that might catch your eye well and yeah that, and that's the big thing is a you know for before the draft season it gives you those guys you know hey if i'm decide, deciding between these three pitchers you know in round 16 and this yeah. guy pops on the aces metric well now i can dig in like you said that that helps out a ton because you know like guard to grom yeah that's captain obvious stuff and they're gone yeah. before it really matters but you know you mentioned those other names and you know luke weaver was a big one and so was you know Caleb smith obviously domingo Herman, yeah. like you said really good stuff there um you mentioned guys develop you know velocity in the offseason new pitches and as you've done your updates here 
how much does a new pitch potentially affect how much they maybe jump or fall in your aces metric? Yeah, I mean it. It can make a big impact, especially if it's a if it's a good new pitch. Because like Frankie Montas, for example, he developed a, a new slider this offseason. and dude, that that slider's been really. Or I'm sorry, I said slider, slider, yeah, splitter. And that splitter's been really good. So that's he was already 88th percentile, but it helped him jump up a little bit further just because it's it's been a it's it's a pretty good it's a really good pitch. So um, yeah, it can it can have a really big impact on on their overall aces. I think another good example of that was I think maybe even a better example might have been Tyler Molly. He shifted from, I think he went from a slider last year and he kind of morphed it more into a curve. I think added more relative velo, so less velo, but more velo relative to other curveballs, uh, more so than his slider had relative to other sliders, and then more drop. So all of a sudden, um, that kind of helped improve his aces uh, metric as well because uh, that was just, those were two positive shifts in terms of having a, a better pitch his curve basically was better than his slider essentially so it can definitely have a, a big impact and i think a similar thing is just throwing more of your better pitches and scrapping um your your worst ones i think um marcus stroman might be doing that a little bit this year in terms of throwing uh throwing a slider more and it's been it's been a pretty positive shift in terms of now adding more uh whiffs and strikeouts to his profile while still getting sort of those elite ground balls that were sort of, that we're used to from him so to answer your question, could definitely have a, a big impact. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep hopping around all over the place based on things you, you've said. Um, you mentioned driveline. And if anybody follows baseball or fantasy baseball, you know who driveline is. It's pretty simple. They got their cover boy and Trevor Bauer, and then everything else they're doing, they're doing really cool things in the kind of maturation or in inventing new ways to develop pitching. And um, they like to use new tools like this possibly. Have you been in touch with any of them or other teams or functions or whatever that's kind of looking at this going, okay, this, we can utilize this in developing our players. Um, so I, no, I, I haven't been personally. Well, that you, that you can speak of. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I haven't actually, but um, I have been following one, one of, I've been following their work pretty closely, but there's one particular analyst that they have, Dan Oakwin. Um, he, he's actually been working on something very similar. And, and I think he's, he's, a lot deeper into the data than I am, but they've been de- developing something similar, like an Arsenal score, if you will, and even came out with a uh, piece today on uh, how important fastball spin, how important fastball velo are. So there's definitely, you know, teams and organizations out there doing the deep research into how important these elements are for each of these pitches. And so, yeah, they've been doing really interesting work there. And, and I love following along on uh, Dan's work specifically. He, you know, like I was saying, he, developed a, a similar arsenal score metric and he does a lot of that per pitch uh, research and analysis that i that i love to follow along yeah th- there's a lot of really good names here and you just updated the list here very recently um and i can already just imagine some of the names that hopped up on the list by by taking a quick peek at some of these guys um some stand out a ton like brandon woodruff is a guy that i've fallen in love with and seen him come up and he's he pops off the chart here for you, you mentioned tyler molly there's many others but what are some of the guys that have kind of really stood out to you especially as you've updated from your beginning of the season until now point uh, on your aces metric. Definitely. So I think, I think last year, I think the name that was just kind of like shocked me. I was like, well, why the hell is Jordan Lyles 97, 92nd percentile? <laughs> and based on that, I mean, he was going like in the six hundreds in, in FBC drafts. So I was like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to grab him like in the late five hundreds everywhere. So I, I pretty much have him everywhere in those deep NFBC drafts. Well and that, for you. Yeah, that's been <laughs> nice. I mean, yeah, it's not a great time to say it because today it has been going well, but yeah, that, that one's been, that one's been nice. And this year there hasn't been quite the, the same, uh, sort of like just what what the heck kind of moment, but I think I think Tyler Molly's starting to become that for me a little bit. 
He's um he at least by command plus he's got really elite command and like I was mentioning earlier he did shift his his pitch mix from that slider to the curve this year. So now he's got he's got three pitches above average in terms of in terms of aces and he's got three pitches above average in terms of whiffs. Overall he's 83rd percentile by um CSW. And like I was saying he's got that top top shelf command uh 99th percentile kind of command. So really interesting player. Uh, I'm still like, I'm still kind of hesitant because he's on the reds and it's, you know, that ballpark and especially as things heat up. So I'm, I'm really trying to be cautious with it, but he kind of had, when you look at the profile, you're just like, I mean, he kind of has what you're looking for, you know, three pitches that he pitches over 10% of the time as well. So that, that was a name that I was like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm going to pay a little bit closer attention to. I actually grabbed him in a couple of leagues after I ran the update. So he was definitely one. And then I think like you mentioned, Montas and Woodruff were nice to see that high up. You know, I had written them up earlier in the year at um, Montas with a new splitter. And then Woodruff is a guy that uh, I think he had like 81st percentile um, came on his walk rate at the time. And he was he had previously shown the potential to keep the ball out of the air via ground ball. So um, that was back when he was struggling quite a bit. So he was another in- really interesting name that that popped on that, you know, top 10 percent or so. Um, when you when you look at these and you know, like you mentioned, you utilize this as a tool to give you maybe a, a reason to dig in on a certain pitcher. Yeah. And obviously I haven't dug in on all these more just kind of off the top of my head, just knowing what they've done from year in and year out. And you look at like kind of the, some of the, I'd say quote unquote, bigger names, popular names that are next to these people. And it makes you kind of wonder, huh, why are they sitting here? Um, have you found any that you, you look at the metric and then as you dig in, you're like, they really, I'm not saying should be here, obviously, because that's what your metric does. It matches out to be here. But if there's something you've looked at going, okay, like Matt Harvey, for instance. Yeah, I, I'm so funny. I was actually pulling him up right now. That's the exact name I was thinking. But like, there's other ones, there's other ones on here, but like that one just stood out, especially after we were talking about today's just yeah. completely disaster. But there's like, he's right next to Steven Strasburg. And we yep. know that those are like two completely different pitchers. But what you're doing with this stat, like most stats, you're the, the the computer is blindfolded. They're not looking at the guy's name. They're just looking at his stuff. Yeah. And so that's much different. When you see stuff like this, what kind of – I know you already mentioned things you look at, but what makes you go, nope, this is more just, you know, his stuff's really good, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not worth it. So, yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I think – and I, I almost did this exactly to a T uh, recently when, so I ran, I ran the refresh and then, you know, I was going to write up about five of these names to check on them. So I kind of started going down the list and, you know, of course you bypass the, the DeGroms, the Scherzers, those kinds of guys. And you, you stop for a second on the names that you don't expect there. So yeah. like, like a Tyler Molly, for example, I stop on him, go look at how's he performing by whiffs? How's he performing by CSW? How's he performing by grounders and pop-ups, those kinds of things. And if he's looking good, you know, and I, I kind of define good as, even like 50th, 50th percentile or above on, you know, all three of those or kind of pops in one of those. I'm kind of interested at that point. So that that's sort of my process and how I look at the stuff and then seeing, is this translating to some of the, those more granular results? Um, and then at that point, if they are, you know, that's something interesting to me and I'll, I'll dig in deeper. But yeah, Harvey was a guy that I, I saw up there. I was like, man, is there any interest, anything interesting going on here? And there really wasn't. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he hasn't been good. He's, he's been below average by with csw and grounders and pop-ups so i think it's a guy that's got good velo he's actually got pretty good command at least by command plus i i don't know how uh how indicative that is of his true command but you know he's got some stuff at least based on these measures but it's not really translating to to results as we saw today 
Yeah, it's just tilting with him. We saw like signs of life out of all places in Cincinnati last year. Yeah, we he did. Pitched, he pitched really well at home. Yeah. Like, you expected if anybody's going to get blown up in Cincinnati, it's going to be Matt Harvey. And yeah. so then you think going to Anaheim, things will look good, even though, you know, Sarah, so I know we talked about him a lot, but he's earned the right to be talked about. Um, <laughs> he he put his new park factors out yeah. this year at the Athletic, yeah. and Anaheim actually rated pretty high. Like People yeah, did. didn't realize that. Yep. So there, there could be something to that, but maybe it is with him. It's like he's got the good stuff. He's got good command. But when he misses with his command, he throws basically a batting practice fastball that most baseball players are going to the ballpark. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. And that's yeah. that's kind of stuff that you know you might see as you dig in deeper. Or sometimes, as much as we love numbers and stats, just watch the game. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just watch some of these things, and it just some things don't like A plus B does not always equal C. It no, just doesn't work out. The, but uh, yeah. yeah, that caught my attention, and it's really fun scrolling through the names and everything. When you did this up update. Um, what were some of the surprise names maybe going up or going down that you noticed uh, this time around? Well, so mainly mainly on the going down side, and, and I, don't, I don't even know if I should mention this because it's probably an indictment of the process almost, but I, I was really shocked to see someone like Caleb Smith that he shot so far down. I don't, I don't really know exactly why that was the case. I, I've got to look deeper into it, but I just thought that was interesting where he popped fairly high last year, actually, and that was kind of what made me want to write him up and, and kind of got him way high on my radar again for this year and then to see him having such great results and then see him drop in this kind of metric was um i thought kind of odd um so that that was an interesting one but um no otherwise i think i think some of the the bigger uh changes upwards were glasnow moving from sort of that really intriguing side 67th percentile last season to all of a sudden shot up to 94th this year and i think that might have been you know maybe adding some velo but also um Potentially, maybe his command played up a little better. So that that was a big shift. And then Giolito was another one, too, just kind of going back to him. Um, he he scored really poorly going into the season. And so I I'd kind of got off him. He was 15th percentile going into the season. I was like, eh, like, what are we holding on to here? He doesn't really seem to have the raw stuff. You know, at least like Reynaldo, for example, like you said, also, he you know, he's kind of up there in the top 20% or so. So, like, at least I can kind of see, okay, maybe there's something here. Like, I could see why people are holding on to this. But Giolito, I kind of left for dead. And he didn't shoot up to anything amazing, but he's at 55th percentile now as of the uh, the refresh a couple weeks ago. So he was another interesting riser as well. And I mentioned Strowman too. He he jumped up into the top 20%, uh, kind of, I think, emphasizing that slider more. Um, when you when you have your rankings, you were talking about, like when you go and use another metric of like their top 50% or whatever, that kind of stands out still. When you're using the ACES metric here, you have obviously zero to 100% rankings where's kind of like a benchmark, like below this number, I'm really not even going to bother with them or like where, where's your kind of your standalone mark? Yeah. I, I think maybe the, uh, the way that I think about it is um, I think, I think these guys need to pop to me in a, in a, in a couple of different ways. So one is I do like to see who's in kind of roughly the top third by aces. So that's one way to see like, okay, who's, who's kind of the top third by stuff. And, and that, that, Yields names like the Caleb Smiths, like the Hermans, the Eflins, the Lyles from last year, Weaver, Chernos, those kinds of names. So that that's one way that I like to use aces to see, you know, I guess the top third, the top third or so. So the 66, 67 percentile and above is, is kind of like the cutoff I like to just go look at. And then I also like to see who's throwing um, at least three pitches 10 percent of the time. There's been some the, some uh, research done by Mitchell Lickman that shows uh throwing at least three pitches 10% of the time helps reduce your time to the order penalty. So those are kind of two filters I like to put together to see who pops on that list. 
And then one other thing I like to do separately, though, is I do like to run projections as well just to see who does who do projections think is is really good. And, and a lot of times people will pop on that list that don't really pop in terms of stuff. So like that's like the that's like the Dodgers and Astros list, basically, almost to a T. That's like the <laughs> Hyunjin Rios, the Kenta Maeda's, the, uh, you know, uh, Ross Stripling's. Colin McHugh, who I really liked going into the year based on that kind of analysis you and, and me it worked out. Yeah, Peacock. Those kinds of guys who don't rate as highly by aces. Um, although I didn't actually run it for McHugh and Peacock last year because they were relievers, but at least for guys like Ryu, Maeda, and, and Stripling, or Ryu and Maeda specifically, they didn't rate quite as highly. But that's another piece of analysis I like to do. And, and if they rate really highly by like projections and running even on like a per inning basis, I'm still pretty interested, even if they didn't, you know, necessarily score as highly on the aces. But ideally, it's like all three, and that's why I was super interested in like Stripling going into the season, for example. Kind of rated pretty well by aces and really well by projections. Yeah, it is interesting now that you mentioned it. I'm sliding on down here, like Ryu, Kershaw, Maeda. Yeah, they're yeah, all down exactly. here. Exactly. It's pretty interesting. Granky's down here. That kind of surprises me, but yeah, I guess he's not. The thing is, though, like, and again, I'm 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 trying to develop more of a stats based idea on how I analyze things, but I I'm like. I like to watch and get the feel playing baseball forever. I kind of like that yep. aspect of it. And, and Granky doesn't ever look really over dominating, but he's so like, he's, this is kind of the Maddox thing to me. He's a yeah. pitcher. Like he pitches he is, man. with what he has. And maybe that's something to think. I don't know. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I mean, like Chris sales down here, but obviously the first month was horrible. Yeah. But that's like, what the last month. I bet yeah. you your next update is going to be a whole different ball game with him. Right. It's, it's a velo. His velo was down like crazy. I think it was like 96 last year, 95 or something like that. And it was like, I think he probably averaged like 90 or 91. So that, that completely cratered his, his aces where he was like a top, you know, five to 10% guy last year. And he might've been the biggest dropper. That, that would have been a fun one to mention, but I think we all know why, you know, we saw that yeah. drop. That's yeah, really interesting names. I'm not going to give it all yeah. away, but uh, there's some really interesting names down there. Um, would you ever think about uh, like when you, when you do your update, when you see these guys at the bottom, do you kind of think maybe it's a buy low opportunity or does that just kind of like, no, it's not, it's not, penciling out down here the guy the guys on the on the lowest end of the aces yes typically not no i think because what we're measuring is more of like the innate ability i'm 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 actually maybe a little bit more worried in those okay. cases where it's like man the, the velo's down or command is horrible or they're just they've got really no movement or whatever so i'm, I'm typically a little bit less interested in those guys i think it has to be a case where projections just really pop i think freddie peralta was actually a really great example of that preseason where I think I might have tweeted this out, but he had like six percentile um, aces. You know, he was like a fastball only guy basically, and it didn't even rate out that well because he didn't have the velo. But then when you run projections, especially on a per inning basis, he was all of a sudden, you know, like a top 25 pitcher. So I'm like, you know, someone's wrong here. Either it's aces or it's projections, or maybe the answer is somewhere in between. But in those cases, you know, like if someone's showing that kind of upside with projections, even if the aces didn't score as well, I'm at least kind of inclined at, at those low prices to, to take a shot at it and see what happens. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you have 176 pitchers on this. What is the requirements, like innings pitched or whatever, to make it on the list? So this year I did it based on, I think it was minimum 200 pitch, or maybe it was, I think it was minimum 150 pitches pitched. So basically two starts. Wanted to try to include as many on there as possible. And then the minimum um, per pitch, so in order to be counted as part of like the average um like velocity, for example, for a given pitch is you have to at least throw 50 pitches in order, you know, for that to count. So like, for example, if you, you have, you have all the lists of the fastballs thrown this year, I'm only looking at the pitchers that have thrown their fastball at least 50 times to count as part of like, what's the average fastball velocity? What's the average uh, 
rise on a fastball, for example. Okay, that makes sense. That's that kind of that definitely makes sense. So, would you imagine? Well, they can't even answer this just off the top of your head, but I would imagine you're gonna probably have another what 30, 40 pitchers maybe next go around on this. Or I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Um, as as we're adding more, like there were a few that I would have loved to have it for, like Corbin Martin, for example. I would have loved to yeah, see how he got rated, kind of stuff and uh, some of these, yeah, young yeah. But um, you know, we obviously have their velocity and, and their movement and stuff, but we didn't quite have the command yet, so um hopefully on a future iteration i don't know if we're going to do it again in season um later in the year maybe after the all-star break or so or, or in the off season but we'll definitely have you know the uh, probably a, a larger list than we do now yeah I, i'm i'm not even just trying to you know suck up to the guest on the show but i'm enamored by this uh <laughs> this stat it's just like i just i just keep scrolling up and down as you talk it's like oh whoa whoa it does bring things to your attention like okay well maybe that's why our, Really, why is he here? It's really, really interesting. So we'll, we'll kind of you know, wrap this this up on the, the discussion here. But what's next for Aces? Where do you want to take this next? Yeah, I, I think it would be great to spend a lot more time this offseason deep into that pitch research to really see how important are each of velocity, movement, and command. And, and within movement, how important is is vertical movement more important than horizontal and, and if so how much so that kind of thing so really get into that for each pitch and then also just testing other other metrics to see is there anything we should add in here as well like i've kind of toyed around with spin for example um but you know just wasn't sure it's kind of double counting in some ways like the spin add does spin add more than just what movement would add because i know you know part of what spin does is um the more like quote spin efficiency you have the more movement you're able to generate so basically spin generates movement so if we already have movement like does adding spin really add any kind of predictiveness to the model um and and kind of thinking through other things as well like we've talked a little bit about whiffs we've talked a little bit about grounders and csw but does adding outcomes like this does it improve the predictiveness while not hurting the um the stickiness too much so these are all just things it'd be great to kind of get deeper into over the off season but it's been it's been definitely tough to do that during the season yeah, no doubt about it. There's so many moving parts, and it just yep. constantly changes every day. So, yeah, yeah I could see I could see that being very, very challenging. Um, where can everybody find this? Yeah, so you can you can go to CBS. We've got the introductory piece on there that kind of walks through. You know, I touched on it a little bit here, but um, didn't want to go too deep into the kind of nitty gritty. But you can go find all of that on CBS. That was where the introductory piece is. That was also where the refresh is. And then um, I think Sportsline is where the full leaderboard is housed. So that is behind a paywall. Um, and then you can also find me on Rotoballer as well. Yeah, I'd highly recommend checking this out for uh, any fantasy baseball people or just baseball nerds because this is very, very interesting stuff. Like I said, I could sit here and kind of stare at this for quite some time and figure yeah. things out. But before we we say sayonara to this whole cha-cha, um, I kind of <laughs> I got I got excited about getting into this that I forgot to mention something else we were going to talk about. We got some prospects that are getting the call um, yeah. this weekend. We had the big fab again last week with like six prospects to bid on. Well, throughout today we have Josh Naylor coming up with the Padres big time power bat. Not exactly sure where he's going to play full time, but he's yeah. getting the spot there. Uh, Gavin Biggio is going to be very very good, I think, coming up yep. in Toronto. Um, and there's and then I just totally blanked on the oh. Crone uh, uh, is Kevin Crone. Yeah, Kevin Crone is coming up with the Diamondbacks, which could be interesting because Christian Walker, as fun as he was, is not quite cutting it these days. Yeah. So you got these three big dogs coming up. We already mentioned Lewis Rangifo and maybe some others out there for those that are feeling frisky. Hey, maybe the Astros finally figured out we get Jordan Alvarez too. That would really make it yeah. fun. 
But with the, the three here, Naylor, I, I heard you kind of say, what do we think with Naylor uh, in the time for the time being? Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with him. I think he actually might be the best real life prospect of this entire group. But um, it, it, like, what are the Padres doing with with him here? Because they already have like that crowded outfield. They have Hosmer at first base. Um, you know, I know they had Ty France playing like third. So I, I don't know how they get creative even with that. It just feels like a really crowded situation. It, it kind of, I kind of get the sense it, it's temporary. So even though he seems like maybe one of the better prospects of this group, at least, especially from a real life perspective, it's, it's kind of tough to imagine how this really results in him playing, you know, full time anytime soon. Yeah. I, I was surprised when I saw that one after I saw the other announcements, I was thinking, cause he's tearing up the minors. There's no, oh, yeah. that. but it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, where's he going to play? But um, and he's got a yeah he's got a really nice approach. I mean, he walks as much as he strikes out. Doesn't really strike out very much, which is pretty rare for a guy with with power like he has. So it's a really interesting profile, really interesting. But again, you just no idea where the where the playing time is coming from. Yeah, we mentioned Kevin Cron with the D backs. He is just mashing baseballs all oh, over yeah. the PCL, which some people do, but he's doing it to another extent right now. It's gonna be interesting because if he hits, there's a great chance he can maybe overtake Christian Walker. I'm kind of intrigued by <laughs> Crone this weekend because his power is legit. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I feel like he's like National League Dan Vogelbach, basically, maybe a little, a you know, like five, five inches taller, but 26 year old, kind of tearing up AAA. Um, yeah, he's he's been absolutely crazy so far, and um, yeah, I, I kind of talk about it a lot, but I, I like looking at these guys' plate approach, and so it's really interesting to see that you know he's striking out below league, you know, league average amount. Walk rate's pretty close to that strikeout rate, so. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting prospect here. Seems like a total, just sort of that you know classic first giant first base bat sort of thing. And the last big one for now. Uh, well, first, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is coming back up. Do you have any interest in him at all? Man, not that much. No. Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of over him a little bit. Yeah, I was really excited coming into the year, and then he disappointed, but then he crushed it again in AAA. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, where are we going now? And you know, they yeah. they don't really need to play Galvis and Sogard every day, so. There, there's options there for him, but the big one plays the infield. He plays the outfield. Kevin Biggio, the son of um, Mr. Craig Biggio himself, Hall of Famer, is coming up. This dude can hit. He can run. He's got some power. This one intrigues me because it, it really feels like he should have an everyday job. But what's your thoughts here with Biggio? I mean, dude, I, I think I'm with everyone else, too. I, I think... I don't think he's the the real life prospect that say like Naylor is, for example. But from a fantasy perspective, he's he's a really interesting dude. Like you were saying, he's got that. He was he was a 2020 guy last year, so he's got pop, he's got speed, and not only that, but he's he was kind of thought of as sort of a, a little bit of a hacker in terms of like a low batting average guy. Really, always for that pull power. But this year really improved. He's kept that that high walk rate. So he's walking 90 percent of the time so far this year in AAA. But uh, he reduces walk rate down from 26% last year to, to 17% this year. So that's, you know, that that's super interesting. He started pulling the ball less. Um, so, man, I'm, I'm super intrigued, especially like we've been talking about a lot here um, in OBP formats, which you know, I do play and I need speed there. Um, so this is a this is definitely a, a really intriguing profile. And I think you hit it, too. I think among these guys that are getting called up, I, I feel the best about saying this guy's going to keep, this guy's going to play regularly. And I think for the foreseeable future, at least for the season. So um, I think he's the, the big prize this week. And I'm, I'm guessing a lot of others are, are thinking along the same lines as us here. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I tweeted it out before we started that I'm actually almost more excited this week than last week. It was hard yeah. not to get excited last week, but yeah. last week I had a hunch. Well, and I could be totally wrong. This changes all the time. 
a lot of those big time prospects, they're fun, but there is always for most of them, there is an issue of consistent playing time. Calhoun's yeah. fun. Brendan Rogers on the Rockies. I don't know how to handle any prospects. Yeah. Um, there's just so many issues. Like Nicky Lopez is probably the most secure one there. But like we talked about, he's great in OBP, but really nothing really else to the table. With Biggio, there's a lot to like here. There's a obviously, lot. it could change. Like it could go Carter Keboom almost in a heartbeat. Yeah. But he doesn't have the the playing time issues that Carter Keboom potentially had. So yeah. This is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward yeah. to this. Um, we saw guys go from like 150 to like 400 bucks last week yeah. in a thousand dollar fab leagues. If you had to just guess off the top of your head, where where do you think you see a guy like Biggio going? Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, what what were the what were the big tickets going last week? Like, I think, I mean, I can't see him going quite to the Riley level. But the thing that Biggio brings to the table is that speed, and you know, everyone's starving for speed all the time. So I, I could see him pushing up to those levels where. You know, there's there's not that many impact bats coming up down from you know the the prospect levels. We still have Kyle Tucker out there. There's there's Jordan Alvarez, so maybe people are well. I bet you Tucker was probably drafting all these leagues, but you know at least Jordan Alvarez, and um, so maybe people are saving the hammer there. But I could see I could see the bids creeping into what the, the 300 range. I know it's tougher at this point because Bab people know, have people have less. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't I don't know how how that might impact it because uh um. Yeah, I'm. I'm only. I. I right now, I'm not in any, any NFPCs that have the the thousand. So I've only been playing hundred and stuff. So it's a little bit different. But I could see that. I could see that being pretty hefty in line with the the big dogs of last week. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I could see two fifty to three fifty. I know that's a, a wide range, but yeah. uh, I could see that because that you see from league to league, it varies so much. It's crazy how much the prices vary. But I could see this being interesting as a guy that has a lot of money left in TGFBI. I'm very excited yeah. about this opportunity. I, I was hoping it would be Jordan Alvarez time, but yeah. I could use a guy like Biggio. So yeah. this could be very, very exciting. Definitely. But all right, Aaron, that's going to wrap us up for episode 173 again. Thanks for joining us before we sign off. Let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for adding me. Yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter, at RotoPope. Uh, and yeah, keep, read read the um, follow along on on CBS and Rotoballer. We'll uh, we'll keep pushing stuff out throughout the rest of the season. So hope you can hope you can follow along. Awesome! Again, everybody, go check him on Twitter at Roto Pope Aaron Saceda. Thanks for joining me, man. Lots of fun. I want to do this again sometime. Awesome. Well, thanks again. It's been great, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode one seventy three, talking about the Aces metric with Aaron Saceda. Catch you guys later.